Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. To Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and starting in verse 1. And the scripture says, To everything there is a season. Man, y'all are on board already. To everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence. A time to keep silence. And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for today. I believe that you gave me this word and that you have stirred it in my heart, that I couldn't get away from it, that I couldn't talk about anything else. And I ask for your help. Fill me afresh. Help me to say what you are saying. Help us today to hear the heart of the Father. and to make necessary adjustments. Help us to receive the challenge and the correction as well as the encouragement. Help us to receive your strength to be built up, but to use that strength for your purpose. Do whatever you want in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at that very first verse. To everything, there is a season. Somebody shout season. Season! I'm, 
What a, uh, She's ready. it just got serious. She's ready. <laughs> wow. That was awesome. I can't take it around this place. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> season, thank you. To everything, there is a season. There is... There is a time to every purpose under heaven. Everything that God has set in motion in this world and in the kingdom has a season. It has a specific time. Did you know that you can't get saved whenever you want to? No man comes to the Father but that he is drawn of the Holy Spirit. There are people that have resisted the drawing of the Holy Spirit and said, I'll get saved later. Only later there was no drawing. Only later that time had passed. It's not open season all the time for whatever everybody wants to do. We don't decide when it's the best time for different things to happen in our life. We don't decide when it's time to launch ministries. We don't decide when it's time to obey that which God said yesterday to obey. To everything, there is a season. And there is a specific time to every purpose under heaven. Everything that God purposes to do, he not only purposes the what, but he purposes the when. God has a reason. God tells us, let all things be done decently and in order. And God is a God of order. Everything God does, he does in a certain order for a certain reason, seasons. You know, right now the weather is changing outside. Thank God, I'm ready. Are you ready for winter to be over and for it to be, for it to be nice? The, the season is changing. All of creation runs in a continuous cycle, a repeating cycle, a repeating cycle. We are, winter is over, but it won't be the last winter. Spring is starting, but this is not the first spring. Everything runs in a continual, repeating cycle, a season. Webster's defines a season like this. A time characterized by a particular circumstance or feature. Isn't that interesting? It's a great definition. A season is a time, a time period that is characterized by a particular circumstance or feature. Seasons. Summer is hot and the days are long. Winter is cold and the days are short. 
Spring is rainy, and things start to grow. Fall is dry, and the trees begin to shed their leaves. Seasons. Think about this repeating pattern. And it's not only true when we think about weather and weather patterns, but it's true in our life. We go through different seasons. We go through different times, set periods of time that are characterized by particular circumstances or particular features. Some of the things that are featured we really enjoy. Some of the things that are featured we hope to never revisit again. (laughs) Some of the circumstances we don't want to go back to. But they define the season. It's a part of our life. And all of creation runs in a continuous cycle of seasons, whether we're talking about the weather or if we're talking about our life. Our life runs on a cycle of seasons. If you don't like the season that you're in right now, just hold on. It will not stay. It will not remain. It will transition into something else. It's like the weather in Missouri. If you don't like the season that you're in, just hold on for five minutes because seasons are constantly shifting to a different set of circumstances, different features. If you do like the season that you're in right now, cherish it. But just know that you cannot Hold on to it. And that right there is a word for somebody. I want to say it again. If you do like the season you're in right now, cherish it, but just know that you can't hold on to it. If you ever try to stay the same while everything around you is constantly changing, you'll soon find yourself ineffective and miserable. If you try not to adjust, if you try not to change, if you try to do things the same way you've always done them, while everything around you is changing, you will soon be ineffective and miserable. You think about this in churches. 20 years ago, how many churches were painted black with blue and pink lights? but now find churches that are doing anything that aren't moving in a more modern direction. I'm not saying it's required. I'm not saying that they're they're not great churches, but it's just how things change. You know, we get used to things, and then we get tired of things, and that's uh, that's why the colors in your kitchen in 1950 look different than the colors now. Only, I would not mind a 1950s kitchen myself <laughs> with all that pink and blue. Maybe that, I don't know. And, and how about pink toilet paper and blue toilet paper? Anybody remember all that? So things are constantly changing. But if we, if we are determined that we will not change at all, we will become ineffective. We will become ineffective. Seasons, the only way to live fulfilled and victorious lives is to learn to ride 
the waves. The only way to be victorious and to be fulfilled is to learn how to operate in whatever is going on in your life today. Because life is always changing. We take the good, the bad, and the ugly, but we keep our eyes on the only one that's not changing. We hold fast to the word of God, which is unchanging. We hold on to the heart and the values and the truth of God. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is Jesus singing off this screen, and Jesus is Jesus singing out of a hymnal. And Jesus is Jesus in with white walls or black walls or, or whatever the case. Jesus is the same in every season. And Jesus is the same when you are healthy, and Jesus is the same when you are sick. Jesus is the same when you feel good, and Jesus is the same when your body is racked in pain. Jesus is the same when you've got extra money, and Jesus is the same when you don't know how you're going to make your house payment. Jesus is the same when your kids are cute and smiling, and Jesus is the same when you've got to bail them out of jail. Jesus is the same at the altar as he is in the funeral parlor. Jesus is the same when it's light, and Jesus is the same when it's dark. Jesus is the same in every season. He's the God of the mountain, and he's still God in the valley. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So while life changes, and while seasons change, and while we have to adjust with it, we just keep looking to the one that never, ever changes. The seasons will never stop changing, but God will never stop being the same. God's in every season. And God is still God in every season. In every season. The business that you work for or own goes through different seasons. The church you belong to goes through different seasons. Your family goes through different seasons. You know, Bruce and Amanda, they're in Georgia. We don't see them as much as we'd like, although we get to see them a little bit. They get up here. Amanda has been talking a lot in recent months that she had so formed her life and even identity around her kids and now her kids are out of the house and going different directions and uh, I only say this because she's been very open and, and vocal about people being aware and praying for each other as you go through these different seasons now listen Bruce and Amanda will be the first to tell you their life is blessed and they're so proud of their kids and their kids are doing uh, good things and, you know, uh, God has continually promoted Bruce in his job, and they have a beautiful place and a wonderful place. So it's not that there's anything bad in this season, but it's still a different season. And there's no way to escape that our family dynamics are going to change as the years go on. 
I don't like it. That when I look at my dad's hands, they look like my grandpa's hands, and my hands look like my dad's hands. And he didn't like it either. I want everything to be the same. If I could somehow keep Rose and Mariah and Deacon and be about 10 years old, <laughs> come on, come on. You know, my mom and dad gave my sister and I the greatest childhood that any kid could have. I just want to lock in. I'm seeing things come full circle. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I want to see what Moriah and Deacon will do, but I don't want them to get any older. I just want them to lock in. People talk about, people can't hardly wait to get their kids out of the house. I don't want my kids to ever leave. Now, my mom and dad got that wish because I'm living at their house. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll keep more high and can at my mom and dad's house. Right. Rose said, time to go. Time to go. Seasons. Seasons changing. Even good changes are hard. Even good changes are hard because we just got used to this way. You ever live in your life, you say, man, I can't quite figure it out. You say, oh, I started to figure it out. Oh, ah, I finally got it figured out. And God says, next door. Exactly. Your family goes through different seasons. And you go through different seasons personally in your individual life, and not everybody in your house can understand. Not everybody in your house can understand your change in perspective, uh, the changes that are happening in your mind due to changes in your body and things you're going through and, and what you're having to think of. We want so bad to go back to our favorite season. Anybody got one? Anybody remember a time if you could lock onto that one and let's just do this? I want to tell you this morning, the secret is not figuring out how to hold on to your favorite season. It's learning how to live in every season. Yes. We think that there's this thing we're supposed to find out. Where's the secret so I can have what I want? Yep. Wrong secret. <laughs> it doesn't exist. If that's what you're searching for, I can save you a lot of time and a lot of pain and a lot of anxiety. The secret is not in figuring out how to have what you want. The secret is in figuring out how to keep your head up and find your joy and contentment in Jesus when you may or may not have what you want as seasons continue to change. We don't get to control the seasons. We only get to control us in the seasons. But today, I really don't want to talk about seasons and how they change. I am only saying all of that to emphasize this as a foundation, making the most of the season you're in. 
recognizing the season you're in, acknowledging the season you're in, and then don't miss it. Because many times we are so hooked on last season that we let this one pass by, and next season we say, oh, I should have taken advantage of that season. I want to use that thought, recognizing and making the most of this season. I want to use that thought as the foundation, and I want to talk about the specific season that we are in right now together as a church family. Now, you might be in all kinds of different seasons in your life. Everybody's going through different stuff. But as the, as the visionary, as the prophet of this house, I do know what season that our church is in together. So today, while we're going to learn a lot, and I think we're already learning, Today, the message is going to be different because I come to you today not as pastor, but I come to you today as prophet. I come to you with a prophetic charge. Today is not something to learn about God. Today is what God is saying to us to do in this season. You know, we come and learn about us, and we come and learn about him, and we grow closer to him, but sometimes God is giving a charge and saying, now do this, and today is that day. So I've come with a prophetic word. God, I've been so nervous about this sentence, because it's a very, very simple statement that I'm getting ready to make. It's very simple. But it is loaded. It is, I should say, full. It is filled with a revelation. I can only pray that God will anoint this sentence, that it grabs a hold of you like it has me. God is doing something right now, but it's all up to you. God is doing something right now, but it's all up to you. We always ask God to move in order to accomplish the thing that we want to happen. We have a desire, we have a goal, we have a deadline, we have a finish line, we have a target, we have a mark. We see something. We want it. So we plead with God that he would move that we could obtain it. We ask God to move in order to get what we want. But God asks people to move in order to accomplish what he wants to happen. God has a mark. God has a target. God has a goal. God has a desire. And in order to accomplish it, he calls on people to move. God is doing something right now in this church and in this city. But it is all up to you. Today, God's calling on us. There are things that God wants to happen 
that will never happen if people do not obey. If there is one mentality, if there is one belief that I wish I could somehow break in the body of Christ, it is the dangerous, heretical teaching that God is controlling everything. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. That sounds so cute on your bumper. Come on, sir. But God simply is not controlling everything. God gave us dominion on the earth. And think, people say, when, when something happens that was tragic or whatever, they say, well, there's a reason for everything. Yeah, usually the reason is you disobeyed and God did not get to accomplish his will and it would have gone a lot better if we had listened. Ouch. Well, you know, there's a reason. Yep, there's a reason. You're right about that. There is a reason. But when you say everything has a reason, what you mean is that God somehow made that happen and he did not. And he did not. You've got God giving people cancer, and you've got God killing kids, and you've got God letting all kinds of terrible things happen when they have nothing to do with God. They have to do with junk that we eat and chemicals that we breathe and decisions that we make and places God told us not to go and people God told us not to hang out with. And listen, your heart for God does not change somebody else's free will. And what people do affects all of us, and what we do affects everything everybody and God is not controlling everything God is not controlling everything God in his sovereignty holds ultimate control he can snap his fingers and end all of it if he wants to but he's not he could also snap his fingers and make everything perfect but he's not but why wouldn't he if he could because he doesn't want robots. He does not want puppets. You're the apple of his eye. You're the center of his heart. And God's greatest fulfillment is to create free will beings that choose to love him because he is good. Not that have to love him. Not that are forced to love him. You have free will. There are things that God wants to happen that will never happen if people don't obey. But we make dumb decisions in relationships. We sin. We do everything opposite of how the Bible told us to do it. But then we pray and ask God to make us feel better. Am I talking to anybody? There is something God is doing right now. And it will only happen if we do it. We are in a partnership with God. That's how this thing works. When we got saved, we entered into a partnership. 
a cooperation. That word cooperate means co-operate. Two or more operating as one. When you ask somebody, would you cooperate with me? You're asking them, will you do this part while I do this part and we will team up? Well, we are in a partnership with God. This is a co-op. This is a cooperation. It's a cooperative work. It means that none of God's will happens by God alone. It means that everything God wants to do is partly God and partly us. God says, I will supply the mercy for your shortcomings. I will supply the grace for your inadequacies. I will give the plan. I'll give the wisdom. I'll give the vision. I'll give the direction. I will give the strength. I'll give the healing. I'll give the encouragement. I'll give the correction. I'll give the love. But you're going to have to put your boots on and put one foot in front of the other and start moving when I say move. Because God has chosen to do everything that he does through man, through human beings. It's a partnership. It's a cooperation. Many people ask God to bless what they are doing. But Henry Blackaby said, just find out what God is blessing and do that. This thing that I'm doing is never blessed. Everybody else, they're doing this and it's blessed. And they're doing this and it's blessed. I wish God would bless my thing like he's blessing their thing. He's probably not blessing their thing. They probably opened their eyes, saw what God was blessing, and joined him in what he was doing. If you want to be part of a blessed work, do what God is blessing. If you want to do something that you're not supplying all the strength, do what he wants to do. Do what God wants to do. And he is already supplying all the strength. But do we know what God is doing? If somebody asked you right now, somebody came up to you and said, what is God doing right now in your community? What is he up to? What is God's plan right now in your church? What is God doing in your life? Do we even know? Do we know what God is doing or are we even looking are we aware of the project that the Holy Spirit is working on right now? Or are we too busy trying to get him involved in what we're doing to even see what he's up to? And then we boast of how we're people of prayer. Yeah, prayer begging him to do what you want him to do. I pray every day. For whose will? I remember several years ago, there was a family, and they were, they were about to purchase a car they couldn't afford. They couldn't afford. And they said, will you pray with us about this? And I, and I did. And I don't know if it was later that day. And they said, hey, we got it. I said, we just started praying. We just started praying. And he said, yeah, I prayed about it. 
I said, well, what did he say? And he looked like a deer in headlights. He's like, well, I don't know. I said, then how did you make a decision? How did you make a decision? You see, we think praying about something makes it right. No, we pray about a thing to find out if it's right. Because, <laughs> thank you. Because God knows what you don't know. God knows what's in tomorrow. But everybody does everything they want to do, but they're spiritual because they prayed about it. Prayed what? Prayed what? How did, you, how did you get your answer? What did God say back? Prayer is not a way of licensing whatever you want to do. Prayer is a way to lock arms with brothers and sisters and have godly discussion and get in the word and talk to your, uh, to your earthly head, your pastor, and together make a sound decision because you've heard the voice of God. Is this helping anybody? Do we even know what God's doing? Do we know the project the Holy Spirit's working on right now, or are we too busy trying to get him involved in what we're doing? Have you ever been around people that always want you to help them? But when you need help, come on, somebody. When you need help, they're nowhere around. You ever been around these folks? That whatever they're doing, listen, we got a witness. Doug, God forbid a man own a pickup truck and a trailer. Listen, if you don't have to own a truck and a trailer, don't. Because the moment you do, you will be the most popular guy in town. Amen. Chris, you should not have told anybody you know how to build anything. Because you know what they do. They beg you for help. You go and you remodel their home, and they, you won't take any money. And then they get mad at you because you didn't do enough. And then they leave and they run their mouth about you. I may be meddling right now. You ever been around those kind of people? They want you to help with their project. But when they need help, when you need help, they're nowhere around. All right, now while you're mad at them and laughing and being all cute, here's the question. I wonder if God thinks that we are those kind of people. Tricked you. I wonder if God thinks we're those kind of people that, oh, I talk to God all the time. Yeah, about your stuff. Do you even know what he's doing? Do you even know his purpose in the earth right now? Listen, I know that it is springtime here in the natural, but do we know what season it is in the kingdom? Wow, in the spiritual. We should. Matthew 6 and 10, Jesus said that we should be praying, thy kingdom come. Now, by the way, this is not talking about someday far off in the future. This is not talking a, a cataclysmic apocalyptic event. 
This is not talking about when everything's over. This is an everyday prayer. I need his kingdom today. I need his kingdom in my life now. I need his kingdom in my family. I need his kingdom to raise Moriah and Deacon. I need his kingdom to be married right. I need his kingdom to manage my money. I need his kingdom to lead the church. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We are supposed to be praying that whatever's happening in heaven is the same thing happening on earth. We are supposed to be bringing earth in line with heaven. Now, I, I should say this because we've got people at all different places in their walk, and I hope that everybody here knows, do we understand that heaven is not a planet three miles south of Mars? Heaven is not some place somewhere that we'll fly to one day when we finally take our skin off. When I got born again, anybody been born again? Born again, really been a change in me. Born again, just like Jesus said. Anybody been born again? When I got born again, this is what Paul said about me in his letter to the Ephesians, and he said it about you. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us. That word quickened means brought to life. It's the word revive. He breathed life into us. Uh, he created man of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of God, and man became a living soul. He quickened us. Together with Christ, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together, right now, while we're here, saved, we have been raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible says the moment you got saved, you're seated in heaven. Already. Already. Seated in heaven. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He says, when you got saved, I put you in heaven and heaven in you so that I could show all the people around you what it looks like. So that I could show my kindness through you to those that don't yet know me. Listen, when I die, I don't have to go to heaven. When I die, faith will become sight. And what, listen, there is no time and space in the spirit. You understand that? Do you understand that I can't see any of you this morning, only your container? You are not your body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You're in a body. Your soul is like a computer. Your soul and your spirit are not the same thing. Your spirit is the life. It's who you are. It's the light, and it's the part of you that has a relationship with God. It's the part that died when Adam and Eve were in the garden and when they sinned. They still had a working soul. They were still in a container, but the light went out. They were spiritually dead. This is what Jesus came to restore this is what Jesus came to restore. So when I received Jesus, I still got the same old soul, same old computer. I still got, unfortunately, the same old body, although this one looks pretty good. 
But the light came on. The light, because some of it was too fast. They didn't catch it. But the light came on. I became spiritually alive. I was quickened. I was seated in heaven. I was seated in heaven. I was placed in Christ, and Christ was placed in me. So now that I'm saved, I have a dual citizenship because heaven is not a place somewhere. Heaven is God's dwelling and it is overlapping. The earthly kingdom, the natural kingdom, and the spiritual kingdom overlap. This is what was true in the garden. It was too, Adam and Eve were going to, humans were going to be there forever. That's how it was going to be. And two kingdoms overlapped. They were interacting. The Lord was walking with them in the cool of the day. You got this angel in the form of a serpent talking to them. And the natural world and the spiritual world were overlapping. I have dual citizenship. I am on the earth, but I'm already in heaven. And when I die, faith will become sight. And I won't have to, there will be no time that passes because spiritually, I'm already there. I'm already there. I am on earth, but I'm full of heaven. I'm supposed to be invading this world with the kingdom of God. You think you got saved so that you wouldn't be punished. You think that you prayed a prayer and asked Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. You think you prayed a prayer, <laughs> don't, don't mess with me. You think you prayed a prayer and asked Jesus to come into your heart, and now you're forgiven, and you're on your way to heaven, you'll do whatever you want to do. Well, first of all, if that's what you think, he's probably not in there. If that's what you think, you probably did not get born again. Because the Bible said, whosoever is born of God does not sin and cannot sin because Christ's seed is in him and remaineth in him. The Bible says when you get saved, there's going to be a change. This does not mean that we never fail, but it does mean we don't continue. This does mean that we are not satisfied to live in sin. This does mean that our hearts are rich and we are repentant and we are doing everything in our power to get out of sin. But that's not today's message. We are now supposed, your job, if you are a Christian, if you are a born-again believer, your life is supposed to be that you are a conduit of heaven invading earth. Both of you, thank you so much. You are supposed to be you're supposed to be a, a, a garden hose. You're supposed to be an avenue. You're supposed to be the spot where the glory comes out. Come on. You're supposed to be the agent by which heaven is affecting the place you work. You are supposed to be the agent by which heaven is affecting your school and your job and your employees or your boss or your friends or your neighbors or your family. You are an agent of heaven. You're a, you're a delegate. You're a diplomat. You are, you, are, you are an agent of heaven. 
And heaven is supposed to be invading earth through our lives. If our lives are not lived with the purpose and with the action, appropriate action of heaven every day invading earth, we're doing it wrong. If you just live defeated and you slide in here on Sunday to get enough hope to go on and do whatever you want to do for another week, you are wrong. You are wrong. There's supposed to be a divine exchange. We're supposed to be daily dying. I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I live in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Christ lives through me. Our goal is to die. Our goal is to lay down our will and to take up his. Romans 8 and 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature, and we should say creation, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole earth, every tornado, every earthquake, every sickness, every tragedy, is this world crying out to you. The earth was told somewhere by God, my kids are going to stand up. And they will take their rightful place and take care of this. And all of the earth is looking at you and saying, are you, are you going to stand up yet? Are you going to do something? Are you going to start taking over? Are you going to start conquering? Are you going to start infiltrating? The earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Are you manifesting? Are you manifesting? I am supposed to operate on whatever heaven is doing. I'm supposed to be doing whatever heaven's doing, but most of us don't even know what heaven's doing. Just like there are different natural seasons, there are different spiritual seasons. All right, that's the introduction. I'm getting ready to start. Spring might be in the air, but the Spirit of God says today, this is the season of harvest. We are right now in a season of of harvest. Genesis 8 and 22 said this, while the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest. There is cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. The Bible says there will always be a time to plant. There will always be a time to break up the ground and to plant. There will always be a time to cultivate and to water. There will always be a time for growth, and there will always be a time to harvest what has been grown and brought into the house, and then it will be time to plant again, and it's a cycle. And over and over again from Genesis through, uh, through the Gospels and Jesus' teaching and through Paul's writings, over and over again we see that when we preach the word, they call it seed being sown, it's the principle of the seed, that we are always sowing seed, 
and seed is being grown, and then it is to be harvested. A time when the ground is broken up, fertilized, seeds being planted, watered, growing, and a time when they are full grown and ready to be brought in. A time when they are ready to be brought in. 1 Corinthians 3 and 8. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There are people that you're going to, quote, win to Christ. Really, you'll just have the pleasure of being the harvester. But grandma already planted some seeds. And First Baptist already watered them. You just happen to find them now. And... Pastor Eddie over here at the Methodist Church, he's going to harvest some things that you have watered. And the bridge is going to water some things that you have planted. You do know we're not in competition. You do know that this is just what we're doing in our part of the vineyard. You do know that we're not God's church. We're just a church, and the body of Christ is everywhere. And that if you find somebody that believes Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I don't have time to fight with that person. We're too close to being the same. We, we might talk about this and that and some other doctrines, but if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came, that he died, that he rose again, and that we need him in order to be saved, honey, you're on my team, bro. Brother Eddie, let's lock arms. Pastor over here, let's lock arms again. We are all fighting for the same thing, and one day we'll fill the same heaven and eat at the same table, all as the children of God. But I know what time it is right now at the river. And I know what God is speaking to my heart, and I can't get past it. And over and over again for weeks now, just everywhere I go, season of harvest, season of harvest, season of harvest. There are people all throughout our communities right now. Oh, I hope you're hearing the Holy Spirit say it and not me say it because it does not sound too fancy. There are people all throughout our communities right now in our own families, in our own lives, that seed has been planted and that it has grown, and that right now in this moment, and I don't know if it's a few weeks, I don't know if it's a few months, I don't know if it's this year, but I know right now it is ready to come in and to be brought into the house and the family of the Lord. You are walking past people every day right now in this season that are waiting for somebody to grab them and harvest them in. I wonder how many of them were walking right past and we don't even notice the still small voice saying, talk to them. Because we're too busy with whatever we have going on. How many times have you been in the store or you've been out and about and you haven't been paying any attention and for whatever reason, all of a sudden, your attention, goes to one person, and somewhere inside of you, you got something to ask them, something you're supposed to say to them. And how many times have we walked past those situations we missed harvest or to plant? Right now is a special season of harvest. 
Jesus said this in Luke 10 and 2. Therefore, he said unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Who's going to pray that prayer? Other people that are already harvesting. Harvesters pray for harvesters. Bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Maybe we need to get back to some more of that. Maybe we need to get back to putting our eyes on heaven and our eyes on souls and our eyes on the blood and not so much on self-prosperity and how to live your best life now, but instead how to do what God wants done in the earth and win people for the gospel. What if our heart became consumed with bringing in the sheaves? The heart of God is speaking to our hearts right now. This is a holy moment of time. This is not something to wait around on. It's time to go get them and bring them in. National statistics show 2% of people who attend church, 2% came to that church. Out of 100%, 2% came because they saw an advertisement. That's not very many. No. 6% came because the pastor invited them. Pastors don't have a real great efficiency in this. 6% came in because of an organized evangelism campaign. You know what that means? Billy Graham, Jimmy Swaggart, Dwight Thompson, a rally or something that your church does, 6%. 86% came because they were invited by a friend. Or a relative. People come to church because people they know take the time to invite them. It turns out that personal contact, who would have thought? A human, talking to a human. People loving people and Stopping and having a conversation. It turns out that personal contact is the lock and that you hold the key. Wow. Here's the sad part. We see without a doubt that this is the most effective avenue of evangelism. That almost every human in a church came because of a personal invite. But the same statistics also show that only about 2% of churchgoers invite anybody. Eighty-six percent of everybody that is there came because two percent of the church invites anybody at all. What if the whole church 
was involved in the one thing that's proven to work, inviting people. (laughs) It's not even hard. Billy Graham said in one of his meetings, he said, I know this looks impressive. You know, I mean, there would be 20 or 30 or 40,000 people show up. And even more impressive are the ones that would walk down the aisle at the end and fill the front. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and sometimes thousands out of a single crowd would respond in the altar. And Billy Graham said, I know this is impressive. He said, because you see all of this at once. He said, but statistics show that more people are coming to Christ all across the nation through one-on-one evangelism than are coming in the meetings that we hold. That means while we sit back and put the responsibility on the Reverend Grahams of the world, the proof says it's on you and that it's on me. We are right now in a special season of harvest. Don't miss this moment. I want to tell you two things that are more important right now than ever before. Number one, intentionally inviting everyone. (laughs) Intentionally inviting everyone that we can to come and see and experience what's happening in this Jesus family. That's the only way I know how to call this place. Jesus family. This is like La Familia de Christos, part of the family. Come on. We need to get shirts. We really do the family. In this Jesus family, number one, intentionally inviting everyone. Number two, being sure we connect with those that are already here. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) We need to intentionally invite, and we need to intentionally connect with those that are already here. Never overlook your existing family in the name of increasing how many are in the family. And don't trade the other out either. Do both. Do both. We want to grow the family, but we also want those in the family to keep growing. I want to charge you right now with four, you know, I told you the two things we need to do, but here are the four ways to do those two things. Not the four ways, but four ways. I want to charge you with four easy, practical things to help you get started in this season of harvest. Now, I know that some do not do Facebook, and I'm definitely not asking you to, but I know that many, many, many people are on Facebook. And so the first two deal with what we're already already engaged in. Number one. River family. Whenever you became a member of this church, hopefully you were added to the River family group on Facebook. That is not the Facebook page. It is a private group. It's a private group called River Family. Uh, If you are a member, it's not for every person that ever passes through. We're, We're not trying to fill your inbox with more stuff. Come on. We're talking about people that are connected people that are members. If you're a member here and you're not part of the River Family Group, we need to do that. There is something so cool because when you go to... How many of you are part of the River Family Group? Okay. When you go to the River Family Group, at the top, there's a place to click to see all members. 
There's your directory. It's at your fingertips. You click, see all members, and you begin to scroll through every name. And you'll say, oh, I haven't seen them for a while. Stop what you are doing and pray for them and then message them and tell them, I miss you, I love you, I just prayed for you. And then try to connect and go to lunch. Try to uh, set up a time to call and talk to them. Try to get the kids together to hang out for a play date. There has never been a time it was easier to connect with your church family. It's right there in front of you. Scroll through and do it often. Do it once a week. Pray for everybody by name and reach out to people. I wonder how many here besides me have talked to Aunt Rosie this past week who hasn't been able to be here for about 10 weeks. wonder how many just said, oh, Aunt Rosie hasn't been here. Yeah. Check the list. And start noticing your brothers and sisters that are not here and reaching out to them. Some of them won't talk back to you. Some of them will tell people you never reached out. But that's none of my business. My business is doing what God wants me to do and praying and loving people. And they have to do with it whatever they'll do with it. My job doesn't change. Number two, the river page. The River Facebook page. When you go to the River Facebook page, there is a place where you click invite. And when it opens up, you can either check little boxes or it will say invite all. Yes, please. There are people you're connected to that we're not connected to. Use your Facebook as a weapon for the kingdom. Use your Facebook as a weapon for the kingdom. Use it as a way to reach it. There are people that don't know that this family exists. Folks, what we have here is very, very special. This is not everywhere. This is not everywhere. And there are people you know that need this. They need this love and this encouragement, and they need to be connected. You should not let this Sunday pass without going to your Facebook and inviting your whole stinking list to join you here. All right. One other thought on that. When you see our Facebook page post a post, Facebook has algorithms in place to decide what they're going to throw out there and what they're going to keep small. They want to know what people want to see the most. One of the ways they do that is that if somebody makes a post, if a whole bunch of people like it, comment and share within an hour of it being posted, the algorithm says, oh, this needs to be out there. And they throw it out to more people than would have ever seen it. When you see a post, when you get a not notification that something's come out on the church's Facebook, stop. Like it, comment, and share. And we will reach more people than we've ever been able to. All right, now these last two are for everybody. Number three, this is a question for you to ask yourself. What can I do to personally invite more people than ever before? Do I have opportunities at work that I'm missing? Now, don't be evangelizing on the clock. 
That person is not paying you their money that they worked for, for you to preach. You have not been hired to preach. You entered covenant with them when you went to work for their company. You came in contract with them by accepting the job that I am going to give you X amount of hours for work for X amount of hours of pay. God does not bless and honor you stealing company time with your agenda. But you might have some time at lunch. You might have connections being made that you can holler at people to get together after work or this or or whatever. You, You know what I'm saying? In your job, in your school, in your family, in your community, the restaurants you eat at, the gas station that you go to, ask yourself, how could I personally start inviting more people than I ever have? Who can I invite? Make a list. You remember when we passed out the circles of influence? We could print out some more of those. It talks about the people that are immediately con- connected by your life and then those outside that circle. And it talks about connecting with those cir- the circle where you have influence. Everybody ought to make a list of five families that you're praying that would come here. You ought to write down five families. Start laying your hands on that every day and start reaching out to them. And number four, you ready for this? Give your money to support this work. I hear everybody talking about, oh, I love the river. Oh, the river's great. The river's where I love Pastor DJ. I love these messages. And, and he always says or does something crazy or funny. I love the river. I love the river. Do you? What are you doing to help? Or do you just love the receiving part? See, usually when we say we love somebody, what we really love is what they do for us. But that's not what the word love means, so we need to pick a different word. Love is really how can we mutually build each other up. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Oh, I love this church. Do you? How are you helping? Do you tithe? Do you return the first 10% of all of your income back to God because it already belongs to him? You can't pay a tithe. It's not yours to pay. You have to return a tithe because it already belongs to Jesus. If you're keeping the the first 10% of your income, you're stealing. You're stealing from God. Do you tithe and do you give? How many of you remember Just Add 10? We started several years ago. Whatever you give every week, would you just add $10 to that? Just add $10 to that. So, folks, there it is. We invite, we connect with who's here, and we give to the work. Romans 10, 13, and 15. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We're supposed to do two things in this world concerning evangelism as believers. We're supposed to personally spread the word, and we're supposed to send others to spread the word. Even our church gives offerings. That's why we keep sending money to Africa, and we keep sending money to India, and we keep sending money because we've got friends that are already preaching there. I can preach here, but I can send them. Amen? The question today, what are you going to do in this season of harvest. The Lord is telling us that we're walking past people every day that are ready to come in. 
Are we going to walk past them? Are we going to go get them? Go get them. If we would all actually do this, we're already out of room. But that's okay. We'll find more room. But we must fill heaven. We must fill heaven. Plundering hell to populate heaven. Winning the lost at every cost. At every cost. God is doing something right now, but it is all up to you. It will not happen. Nothing will be harvested. God is not harvesting them. God is giving the increase, and we go out and bring them in. Would you give the Lord a mighty hand clap? Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.